welcome to the podcast for listening to the rock for more information about what's happening at church on the rock the message you're about to hear today good to see you tonight on this wednesday night i know some of you are like man we've been in church a lot lately you know what it's good for you it's good for you. You know, every special meeting you come to, every extra Wednesday night, every life group, it matters. And it helps you more than anybody. Now, does it make your pastor happy? Absolutely. It makes me so happy that I hear that people are at their life group and they're at special meetings. But more than anything, it does something for you. It helps you. So I like this. I've gotten to see a whole lot of you, a lot of recently, and I'm going to see you next week at Word and Spirit Conference, but it's good to be in church. Come on, let me say that one more time. It's good to be in church. Tonight, I'm going to talk about prayer, and we're going to talk this week, like we did last month, uh, about kind of a foundational thing. So uh, I'm going to share some different things tonight. It's going to be a real practical message, just kind of like it was last time when we talked about the Word. Uh, last time we preached. And so I'm going to talk about prayer tonight. And the title of my message is Pray First. Pray First. So if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Matthew 6. We're going to start there. This is a good note-taking service. Wednesday nights are good note-taking services. And because I'm going to say a lot of things, and there will be no way you can remember all of this wonderful stuff that's about to come out of my mouth. Uh, you know, I like it that we can see Amzie on here because he's not here tonight. I can at least see his forehead while I preach this evening. Isn't that good? Matthew 5, 6 and verse 5. We're going we're gonna to read here for a second. We're going to read many verses. So if you didn't read your Bible today, we're going to get it done together. Verse 5, this is Jesus speaking. It says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Jesus is coming through very hot right now. For they love to pray standing in synagogues on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. And surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, talking to us, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, are you, are you noticing this? He said this three times, assuming that you're a prayer person. As his follower, it says that when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask. Verse nine, in this manner, or this is the example I'm giving you or the pattern I'm giving you on how to pray. Jesus said, therefore, pray. This is how he wants you to pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. amen. Everybody say amen. Because Jesus just amened himself because it's that good of a prayer. So tonight we're talking about prayer, and we want to talk specifically about pray first. Everybody say pray first. Everybody say pray. Now hold up your number one finger. Pray first. Make sure it's not the middle finger, this finger, pointer finger. Miss Donna, I was looking at you when I said that. Pray first. She gets a lot of practice when she's driving, so I just wanted to make sure it was the index finger. 
It's going to be one of those nights tonight. Yes, it is. So we're talking about pray first. Now, last time we shared about how to get into God's word, how to read your Bible. And you got to realize these are the essentials to the Christian life. Now, I realize in a church like ours, especially the people that show up on a Wednesday night, because you guys are the ones that are going to show up at any, anything that we tell you to show up at. When you hear the, the words, you need to read your Bible and pray, at this point, it's like white noise. Like you, you're not even fully hearing it that, at this point in your walk with Jesus. But we need to keep repeating this because these are the most vital, essential things to your Christian walk. And it's how you get to know God. And sometimes we overlook them because we just heard it our whole life. We're like, yeah, read my Bible and pray. Well, first of all, you're not going to get anything out of it with that kind of attitude going into your Bible reading and prayer, for starters. But then also, if we just take that attitude, realize there's a reason God tells us to pray and to get in his word because that's how he speaks to us. It's an essential thing to our Christian walk with God. And there's other things. There's, there's other spiritual practices that we do. Worship's one of them. Fasting is one of them. You know, different things like that. There's all sorts of ways we, we uh, talk to God and God meets us. But the two main things are his word and prayer. That's how God meets us. That's how God talks to us. That's how he helps us. That's how we have a relationship with God. If you don't read your Bible and pray, you're not going to have a relationship with God, really. Because those are essential, foundational things. So I'm praying by the end of this message that you will change your attitude towards prayer, hopefully, so you can get something out of it because it's essential to your Christian walk. Many people don't do it the same way they don't do it pertaining to reading their Bible because they don't know how to. Or maybe they've never been taught properly, so they've tried and they're bored or they're just lost in their prayer life. So I get that. If, it, if you don't think it's effective, if, you don't, if you're not having fun with it, if you're not, you don't feel like you're accomplishing anything by reading your Bible or praying, why would you do it? You wouldn't. Now, I'm one of those people. I'm not just going to do something to do it. That's just my personality type. If I don't feel like it's working, I'm going to either change it or stop. I'm just not going to just go through the motions. But some of you are emotion people, and that's okay. But God has more for you than that, than just legalistically cold reading your Bible and praying when there's so much more. There's a relationship behind it. Now, we said with reading your Bible, it's so important because God's Word is food for your spirit. Have you heard me say that recently a few times? Yes, it is. So if you want to be healthy and strong spiritually for your spirit, man, the food is God's word. But guess what? Breathing is prayer for your spirit, man. Martin Luther said it like this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Because prayer to the Christian is the breathing of our spirit. It gives oxygen and life to our spiritual life. Prayer. Now, prayer is simply talking and communicating with God. That's the most simple definition of it. It's talking and communicating with God. Now, can we all do that? Can you talk and communicate with God? The answer is yes, you can. You do that with people all day long. You can do that with God. And that's the simplest definition of prayer. But we want to talk tonight, and I want to share a lot of practical things on when we pray, what is God looking for, and how do we pray? So let's look again at Matthew 6, 
in verse 5. We're going to read it here. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the corners of streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse 7, we're going to stop after this verse for a second. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Now, all of my points start with P. It's about to be super spiritual night. Now, I did not fully plan for this to happen, but it happened. That I'm talking about prayer. And it must be God if it all rhymes and starts with P. But they all do. So that's why I said take notes or you're going to get lost in the P's. You are. Because there's going to be a lot of them. So we're talking about pray first tonight. And we're talking about the subject of prayer. I want to be real practical and I want to be real foundational. If we're going to pray first, if we're going to have a good prayer life, you ready for this? This is the first of many P's. we got a lot of P's to go here. Okay? The first one is we're going to have to make it a priority. If we're going to pray and have a good prayer life and pray first, we're going to have to make it a priority. Realize in these three verses, Jesus said three times, when you pray. When you pray, when you pray, assuming because he was talking to his followers that they were going to be people of prayer and they were going to make it a priority. He didn't say, if you pray, if you get around to praying, he's saying, I know you guys are going to pray because you've been around me for three years. And when you pray, this is how I want you to do it. This is how I want you to pray. This is how I want you to act because he was saying, I know prayer is going to be a priority for you because it's a priority for me. If we're going to pray the way Jesus wants us to pray and to have a good prayer life, we're going to have to make it a priority. Now, talking about prayer being a priority, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. I'm going to say that one more time so you can write that down. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Have you ever heard dad say in a joking way, don't just pray on the t- in tongues on the way to the emergency room? <laughs> It, it might work, but if that's your prayer life, you don't really have a prayer life. Because prayer should not be like, oh, yeah, I think we should pray, guys. We've exhausted all other options. Maybe God could do something. Uh, no, we should pray first if it's going to be a priority in our life. And then get to the natural options after that. But if prayer is going to be a priority, we're going to have to pray first. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Now, here's the truth about your time in your day, because some of you are already, I can already hear you saying this, and I'm going to talk to you tonight. I don't have time to pray, Pastor. Listen, you have time for what you make time for. That's it. That was all I was going to say. I'm going home after that, guys. All of us have time what we make time for. The same people that say, I don't have time to pray, has time to watch the new episode of Star Wars on Disney Plus that's an hour long. I don't have no time to pray. Do you have time to watch Netflix? Yeah. Do you have time to go to your kid's game? Oh, yeah. Do you have time to eat for three hours at a restaurant and watch the game there? Oh, yeah. I have no time to pray in my life. That's not true. You have time. 
what you make time for. And if prayer is going to be a priority in your life, you're going to have to make time for it. If it's going to be a priority. Now, that's not, once again, it's not religious and legalistic that you make time to pray. It's called you love God and it should be a priority to you. Now, here's the other side of this. God knows your schedule. He's not looking for something out of you that's unreasonable. There's so many church people live in guilt, condemnation, and shame because you're comparing your prayer life to Pastor Nancy and Dr. Jacobs when that's what they do with their life, guys. And they've been doing it for like 50 years. God's not expecting you to pray like them. He's not expecting you to spend four hours praying. He's not expecting you to be where they're at. Stop comparing yourself to them thinking, I don't have time because I can't pray that long. That's what they do with their life. He knows your schedule, and he knows we're all different in here, so we can make time, and we can make prayer a priority, but we're all going to be different, so don't put yourself down, because he knows your schedule. This is my, my good friend, Miss Jessica Bach here. God knows her schedule with her three boys. She's not putting the, he's not putting the kind of pressure on her to pray hours and hours a day when she has those three boys, which are full of energy and life. He understands her schedule, and he's not putting this unrealistic expectation on Jessica Bach. You need to be a four-hour intercessor. The boys are going to end up in downtown New Albany. Maybe even across the river in Louisville. I mean, these boys can explore. He's not expecting that. He knows, you know, some of you guys in here that have a full-time job, and then you're coaching your son's baseball team. You don't have just hours and hours to spend praying. God understands that. He knows your schedule, but you can still make time in your own way. And you can still make prayer a priority in your life. But you know, if you're going to make prayer a priority in your life, you've got to make a plan. It won't happen without a plan. And a plan's not religious and legalistic. Do you make a plan to go to your kid's game? Yeah, you put it on the calendar. You say, I'm going to the game. Why? Because you love your kid and you want to go to the game. Do you put a date night on the calendar? Is that legalistic? No. If you want it to be a priority, you got to plan it out. If you're watching the football game on a Thursday night and, and you're going to get all the snacks, you got it on the calendar. you got to plan. Why? Because it's a priority to you. If you're going to spend time in prayer with God, and it be a priority, you're going to have to have a plan to do it daily. Are you following me so far? I'm just trying to be real practical with you tonight and help you. You're going to have to make a plan. Now, everybody's plan is different, once again, because God knows your schedule. He knows when is a good time for us. He's not expecting something out of us that's unreasonable. Now, my plan, because I'm a free-spirited person, I know that I have windows in my day to pray. And I know in my mind when those windows are. I know a lot of times in my truck, those are good windows. When I'm driving from here to here, those are times, I'm already thinking that in my head, when I get in my car and I'm driving from here to here, I must spend some time praying. I already know every day. I'm going to be at church. I'm going to go to lunch. After lunch, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to destroy some weights because Natalie is 10 years old. 
Why aren't you laughing about this? And she's about to be a teenager, so I need to crush teenage boys' skulls. That's the only purpose for me lifting weights, as hard as I'm going right now, because she is 10. She's going to be a teenager soon enough, and I need to know that I know how to handle my business to every teenage boy around here. And young adult boy, just, you know, even the young adults and boys in here, I just need you to know that I'll still whoop your butt at 35. We're talking about prayer. Where did you guys go? Why did you get me off track here? <laughs> so I know every day in my head, I'm going to go to the gym at least for a little bit, and I'm going to go to the park. And guess what I go to the park to do? I go to, talk to the park to pray. I know every day that's going to happen. It fluctuates on what time that is depending on what's going on that day, but I know there's going to be a window sometime in the afternoon. I'm going to go to some park somewhere and walk and I'm going to pray. I got a plan every day. Because I want it to be a part of my life, I make it a priority, and I plan it out. Now, that's my plan. You got to have your own plan if you want prayer to be a priority in your life. So, if prayer is going to be a priority, you need a plan. Here's another thing you need when you pray, a place. Told you there's a lot of peace tonight. Let's look back at Matthew 6 and verse 5 and 6. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that there may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 6, key verse. We're talking about if you're going to pray, you got to have a place. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who is in secret will reward you openly. You got to have a place. Once again, if you don't have a plan, you don't have a place, don't think it's just going to happen. It's not. It's not. Just like everything else in your life, if you don't have a plan, you don't have a place. It's not just going to mysteriously happen. You're like, I want my relationship with God to be organic. <laughs> Go to Rainbow Blossom and get you something to eat. But your relationship with God, if you don't plan it out and have a place and a time, it's not going to mysteriously just end up in the presence of God. You're not just going to mysteriously have a time in the Word if you don't plan it out. You're not going to just mysteriously get close to God without a worship life and a place to do it. It's not going to happen. And if it does, it will happen just hit and miss every once in a while because you don't have it as a priority in your life. Yeah, I'm trying to give you real practical tips tonight. You got to have a place. Now, what did it say in that verse? When you pray, don't be out on the street corners. Don't be out in public. When you pray, go to a private place, a secret place. And when you pray, pray to the God who hears you in secret. So the place doesn't have to be in a physical home. What God is saying here is when you pray, the two things he's looking for is you need a quiet place and you need a place that you're alone if you're going to pray. Now, I'm just going to tell you what I do because maybe it will give you some ideas and help you. 
my quiet place and my alone place is two different places. It's in my truck and it's at the park. Those are my places to pray. So I know, already know the two best places for me to really be quiet and alone is in my truck and at the park. That's just the way I'm wired. For you, some of you guys could sit in your lazy boy chair and pray for hours. I can't do that. I'm just not a sit still type person. When I pray, I got to move. Some of you could, you know, be on your porch and pray. Some of you could do all sorts of things, but you got to have a place. What's your place? I can't answer that for you. What's your place? The only requirements is it's got to be quiet and alone. Some of you moms might be in the bathroom. I don't know, because that's the only quiet and alone place you got for a period of time. Seriously, you got to find a place. What's your place? Now, if you're going to pray, you got to have that place and you got to keep that place so you can meet with the God who is in secret. Now, for me, I'm, uh, I'm wired a little hot. I'm just wired that way. Like, I have a problem sitting still. Like, when I was younger, that's why I have a standing desk in my office. Because when I was younger, the teachers would tell my mom, Jordan needs to stand by his desk to do the work because he can't sit still. So... I know that's my personality type. So the worst place for me to pray is usually sitting in a chair or sitting on the couch. For you, it could be great, but you got to know your place. You got to know you. My best place is, is driving my truck and walking at the park, not even sitting at the park, walking at the park in a quiet, alone place. So what's your place? Because you got to have one. If you can't think of one right now, that means you need to get one. If we're going to make prayer a priority, we got to have a plan and we got to have a place, like Jesus said, that's quiet and alone. Now, many of us, our mind wonders when we do this. I'm like that because I'm wired that way. And I read this quote recently that helped me from a pastor in New York City, Rich Velotis. He said this, if your mind gets distracted a thousand times in 10 minutes of prayer, I've been there. It's a thousand opportunities to come back to Jesus' loving presence. So don't get discouraged when you're starting a prayer life. If your mind wanders, that's what's going to happen until you make that a habit in your life. And especially for those of us that have a hard time concentrating or sitting still, you're going to have to get past that and just be okay with that. Don't put yourself down. Know who you are. And just every time, come back to Jesus' loving presence but you got to have a place you got to know yourself one thing that helps me as I pray and I know not everybody listens to music I can't listen to music with lyrics and pray it's like if, if y'all talk and I can't talk we both can't talk at the same time here's something else about me like if you're in the car with me and I'm trying to talk to you I don't have music on and talk at the same time some of y'all messed up you blare the music and have a conversation at the same time I don't have music on in my truck when other people are in my truck because I'm trying to talk to them. So y'all need help. I don't need help. <laughs> Same way with God. I can't listen to music that has lyrics, even worship music, when I'm praying. Now, when I'm worshiping, it's different, but I need to focus. But I'll tell you something. You want a prayer hack? Because I got a lot of prayer hacks tonight. There's a guy. Look him up. He has the best instrumental worship music out there. It's piano. It's also, and some of these songs are, are very long. Some of them are like an hour long, hour and a half of just instrumental worship music. Look him up. 
He's on YouTube and he's on Apple Music. His name's William Augusto. William Augusto. And all of his albums are called Soaking in His Presence. All of them are instrumental. They don't have any lyrics. They're just like if you had Daryl and Steve playing for you in your prayer time. Wouldn't we all want that? So it's like if you want that and that helps you pray, which sometimes it helps me pray because my mind is a little wired. I listen to him quite a bit and I'll listen to instrumental music because it kind of helps me focus and pray. So William Augusto, little prayer hack. Soaking in his presence, he's got literally probably hundreds of songs on YouTube and Apple Music. Look them up. Trust me. You'll thank me later because he's got all sorts of different styles, really good piano, beautiful music to pray to. Okay. You're welcome. Prayer hack. So we got to have a place. If we're going to pray first, we're going to need to do something. Once we have a plan and it's a priority to us, we're going to have, a, have to have a place. But when we come into God's presence, there's a way that we need to come into his presence, and that's our position. Let's look at James 5, and verse 16. Are you guys getting anything tonight? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Notice that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So when you come into God's presence, there's a position that you need to be in. There's an attitude you need to have towards God. Now, it's not you earning something from God, but God respects certain positions of the heart. When you come into his presence, let me list a few of them. You can write down. When we come into God's presence to pray, we need to come in faith. God answers prayers of faith, not just, God, I wish so, I hope so. No, that's not, the Bible says God answers prayers of faith. Like when you ask him something that you really believe that he's going to do it, that you really believe his word, that you have confidence when you pray. Those are the prayers that God answers are faith-filled prayers. Now, now you guys want prayer results, right? Well, I'm telling you how. you got to come in faith, believing in confidence, not God, I wish and I hope. Nuh-uh. God, I'm confident that you're faithful to your word and I believe you. Here's another one. you got to come with some passion. Other translations say of this verse, the fervent, passionate prayer of a righteous person. Not just like, Lord, we're going through the motions again. No, you got some umph about you because you believe it. And you're glad to be speaking to God. You're passionate about it. You're not just walking in there just half-hearted with half-energy. No, you got some passion about you. God listens to some earnest, fervent prayers. We got to have some passion when we pray. That doesn't mean you got to shout the whole time, but you should have some enthusiasm when you're going to talk to God. He answers passionate prayers. Passionate prayers. And lastly, he answers, answers earnest prayers, the Bible says. The earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person avails much, makes tremendous power available. What does earnest mean? That means when you come into God's presence, an earnest prayer is it's heartfelt. That means your prayer is real. It's genuine. It's sincere. 
You're not coming being fake and phony. Like, if you don't talk like King James, don't talk like that to God. Right? God doesn't understand it, just like we don't understand the King James Version. Be real. Talk the way you talk. Stop talking in Christianese language and KJV. God, be real with God when you talk to him. That's what it says he respects, an earnest, heartfelt prayer, real, genuine. Like if you're going through stuff, don't ignore it in your prayer life. Don't act like God, you know, he knows what you're thinking before you pray. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's happening. Don't don't just come in prayer and just skirt the issues of your life. Be real about it, and God hears prayers like that. Are you getting something tonight? trying to stir you up at eight o'clock at night. I drink a coffee before I came, by the way. He answers some earnest, fervent, heartfelt prayers. If we've learned anything from the life of David is be real with God. David was a man after God's own heart and he just let it fly. If we probably knew the real translation of those Hebrew words, it would be beep, 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 beep. Because he's saying stuff like, God, I wish you would just knock the teeth out of my enemy. He's saying stuff like, God, I want to die because I'm so depressed. He's saying stuff like, God, I want you to help, you know, take care of me. And then the next minute he's like, everybody's attacking me. God, what is going on where you're at? Like, he's just being real with God. And God is like, hey, I respect this guy. He's real. Not always right, but he's always real. (laughs) Let that be said of us. We don't get it 100% of the time, but God respects somebody who's got to be real enough to say, God, I need your help. This is what's going on. Not ignoring what's going on in your life, but saying, God, I need some help in this, and I'm a faith person, so I believe you're going to help me. I'm struggling, and I need your help. God respects prayers like that. You guys getting something tonight? So what have we talked about so far? We talked about priority of prayer, plan of prayer, place of prayer, and position of prayer. Got another one for you. And under this one is more peace. You ready? The pattern of prayer. I could do this all night. I'll take P for 500. The pattern of prayer. You know, there's a lot of patterns of prayer or examples of prayer in the Bible. There's, you know, people, they pray the Psalms. They pray the tabernacle. They pray the Pauline prayers. There's different types of prayer. There's intercession. There's petition. There's praying in the Spirit. But tonight, for this message, I want to talk about the Lord's Prayer. Because the Lord's Prayer is really a pattern or an outline for us to pray. Now, I don't think Jesus meant, it doesn't hurt you to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's scriptural. Jesus said it. But I don't think he meant it to us just like, just repeat what I said. I think the Lord's Prayer, and many scholars believe this as well, is the Lord's Prayer is really an outline for our prayer. Like, hey, when you pray, cover all these things, because then you'll have a good prayer life. And so I want to talk about that, because what do we say at the beginning? A lot of people don't pray because they don't understand prayer, they don't get prayer, they've never been taught on prayer, and they're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't get it. I'm bored. Okay, well, 
This pattern of prayer could help you just every day in your prayer life. Because in this pattern covers really all the essentials to what you would need to talk to God about. You ready for this? Let me read it first, and then we'll put up the slide I have later. Once again, in where are we at? Matthew 6. Let's start in verse 8, if we could do that. Start in verse 8. Jesus speaking, this is all Jesus speaking. Therefore, do not be like them, talking about the religious people that day. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Verse 9. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So this is what I believe is a good example every day. We could use the pattern that Jesus gave us to pray, and you'll have all your bases covered. Miss Donna, you want this. You've been praying 50 years more than I have, but I appreciate your enthusiasm. You need it. Well, I appreciate that encouragement tonight. So we're talking about the pattern of prayer. So I'm going to put this slide up to break it down on all the different sections of the prayer, what they represent. Do we have that slide? The Lord's Prayer. So let's talk about this. More peas. I told you it's more peas. So we're going to talk about each one of these because if we did this in our daily prayer life, you would cover all the major areas of your life. And so I'm going to go through this, if you'd like me to, to just give you a little example on how you could pray this. And this is a good outline and pattern for you to pray. So what does he start with? The Lord's Prayer starts with this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It starts with praise. It starts with thanksgiving. Now, we know in the Bible it says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When you, when you go to pray, that's a good way to start it, with praise and thanksgiving. Now, we know that this word hallowed means that God is holy. He is set apart. He is to be honored. So when we come into God's presence, now hear me tonight, we start with praise. When you come into God's presence, don't be asking for stuff first. You need to come into God's presence and say, God, I thank you for another day. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you. I'm still breathing today. God, I thank you, and hallowed be your name. I, God, I thank you that you're God, and I'm not. That you're all powerful, that you're all knowing, that you're all loving. God, I thank you that you're my healer today. I thank you that you're my deliverer today. I thank you that you're worthy to receive all glory and honor and power, and that you sustain all things by the word of your mouth. And God, I praise you because of who you are today. That's how you enter his gates into thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. you got to start with some praise. Well, make me preach on a Wednesday night, because I will. That's how you should enter God's presence in your prayer life. Enter with some praise. Even if you know just a couple things to say, that's a good place to start. We enter God's presence with praise. You know why? Because it gets your mind right going into prayer. Not only does it honor God and glorify God, but it gets your heart and mind in the right position to go into his presence. Gets all that junk washed out of you, all the world washed out of you. It gets your heart in the right place to remember who you're talking to. Yeah. 
So we enter God's presence and we praise our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's praise. Then the next verse in this prayer is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's priority. Now what does that mean? That means that we should be saying to God that you're my priority. That's giving God our will. That we should be praying prayers like this, that God's will will be done in our life. The Bible calls that the prayer of consecration. You should say that every day. That's not a one-time altar. Prayer. But every day, we should go back and be like this, that God, not my will, but your will. God, not my plan, but your plan. God, I want your plan to be done in this church. God, I want your plan to be done in my family. God, I want your plan to be done in my life. God, I want your plan to be done in my kid's life. Not my will, but your will. And I consecrate myself to you again, saying, we're going to have your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should be praying that every day to God. Stuff like, God, I want to know your will. Don't assume you're in God's will. God, I want to know what you want me to do. I want your plan, your will, not mine. That's putting God as a priority in your life. Isn't that what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but your will be done. But also, if you look at this verse, you realize he's saying not everything that happens on this earth is God's will. Why would God say, let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? It was automatically happening. It's not. That's why we got to pray for God's will. We got to walk in God's will. We got to believe for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not automatic. It's not automatic in our life. It's not automatic in our church. It's not automatic in our country. It's not automatic in this world just because it's God's will. We have to pray to see God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You getting something tonight? When we go into God's presence, make it a priority. Pray that God's will will be done in your life. Consecrate yourself again. So what's the next one we got here? It's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Provision. Now, Provision means that we need to ask God what we need. Tell him what you need. God tells us to ask him. The Bible says, ask and receive, seek and find, knock and it will be open to, to us. We need to ask God for provision. It's not automatic. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Or we could say, give us this day the things that we need. Give us this day the things that we need to have more than enough for this day for provision. But we have to ask him. A lot of people are thinking, well, God knows, which he just said that in the verse earlier. Yes, I know you have need of these things. But like Pastor Nancy, and I'll repeat what she said. She was just here last week. She said, knowledge is not permission. Duh, God knows you need a car. God knows you need a house. God knows you need money. God knows you need this and this and this and this. But God knowing does not equal God's permission to move in your life. 
That's why literally all over the Gospels, he continually says, ask, ask, request, ask, pray. He wouldn't say that if it was just automatic. We have to ask God for God to get involved in our life. He knows we have need of it, but to get involved, we have to ask him. Look at what James 4 and verse 2, New Living says. If we could pull that up. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. It's pretty simple, right? He says you don't have it because you don't ask God for it. Think about this. God wants us to ask for provision in every area. He says, ask me. Well, God knows I need it. It's not enough. God knows I have a need. It's not enough. God knows the world has needs. There's millions of people starving. God knows that. But who's asking? God knows you have needs. But knowledge is not permission. God set it up that way. He says to ask him. He says to seek after him. He says to, to ask for provision. He tells you to do that. It's not selfish to do that. It's not wrong to do that. God says you have not because you ask not. He wants you to ask. Now, why does he want you to ask? Because he has given you your own will. He doesn't override that will even though he knows you have needs. You have to ask. I love this. I believe it was Smith Wigglesworth that said this. God is more willing to answer than we are to ask. God is more willing to answer than we are to ask. Let's look at the next one here. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others who sin against us. Are we getting in it now? Pardon. There should be a time in your prayer life that we search our own heart. And if God brings something up, we're quick to repent. Asking forgiveness. I'm not saying forgiveness in the sense of like salvation prayer every time you come to pray. But I'm saying what the Bible says about if we do sin, we confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And the main thing is to clear your own conscience. The Bible says that faith is in a clear conscience. That means if you know there's stuff that's going on in your life that's wrong, you can't pray in faith because it's going to bug you. So when we pray this prayer of pardon, it gets all that out of us. God say, you say to God, I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry about that. I repent. I'm changed. I'm clean. Let's move forward. And now you can have faith to receive because you've got a clean conscience. It's out of the way. It's in your past. Once again, that's more for you than even for God. But notice what he says first. Forgive us so we can forgive others. So you take care of you first. And if you do that and you see God's forgiveness towards you, trust me, God will bring up some beautiful names to you. Well, about that lady who cut you off the other day? You know, the one that Miss Donna flicked off? Yeah, you need to forgive her too because you took Miss Donna's offense in that situation. He'll bring up other church people you're holding grudges against. Wow, it got real quiet there. This is not the grudge crowd, though. It's the Sunday morning crowd, right? They're the ones that hold the, the grudges against each other. 
So we pray for pardon. We, we pray and we get it all out of us. We repent. If there's something that God brings up that we're doing, we get ourselves clean. But then trust me, before the prayer is over, you need to get the rest of you clean. And unforgiveness is one of the main things that's going to keep a lot of junk in you. And you can't give your faith to the place it needs to be if you're going to be in unforgiveness. You know the big faith verse in, in Mark 11? After the mountain moving faith, it says, and when you pray, forgive. Same, same portion of scriptures. It's all connected there. We don't read the next verse, but the next verse says, and when you're praying, acting like you're a man of faith and power, casting out demons, believing for mountains to move. He goes, if you're not forgiving people, that faith ain't working. If you're holding grudges against everybody. So we pray for pardon. We, we pray for ourselves and, and get ourselves clean. But then, trust me, God will say, hey, you're in unforgiveness to that person and you need to forgive them. Why? Because I forgave you. And it's only hurting you. It's not hurting them. You need to get, let that go. And this is sometimes we got to do this daily. This is a daily prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Pardon. Are, are you still following me today? The next one after pardon is power. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Realize in power is this is the part where you need to take authority over the enemy. Remind yourself you're Pentecostal again in this part. Realize you got power. He says, he says right here, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Believe in this part of the prayer, you need to use your spiritual authority. If something's harassing you or your family or something, that's the time to take authority over it in the name of Jesus. Don't wait on God to do it. He gave you authority to do it. Take authority over something going on in your family. Take authority over something going on at work. Take authority over uh, depression or anxiety. Take authority over things in your life. Maybe it's a, a sickness or an illness. You've got to believe you've got some power, and God is full of power to heal you, deliver you, and set you free. And you've got to realize the enemy is defeated, and you have the power to take authority over him. And we need to be doing that every day. Taking authority as believers in Jesus with situations that need us to take authority in. And realize we got power. Power to overcome temptation and power to be delivered from the evil one. Power. And lastly, it ends with praise. You start with praise, you end with praise. It's a sandwich of praise. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's good to end your prayer time with praise. My suggestion would be, since you've already prayed, turn on some music that has lyrics. Turn on Elevation music. Turn on Maverick City music. Turn on Bethel music. Have a praise party in your car. Have a praise party in your house. Turn up some music. If some of you, if that's too new for you, put on Gaithers. If you can get down with Gaithers, get down with Gaithers. If you got to get down with Michael W. Smith, get down with Michael W. Smith. If you can cut a rug to Carmen... Do you? Whatever it takes. You know, for me, because I was raised on not Hillsong and Elevation in Bethel, I was raised in black gospel. So if I'm going to have a praise party, I'm going to put on Kirk Franklin. I'm put on Fred Hammond, Donnie McClurkin, CeCe Winans. I'm put on some gospel people because that's my roots. Bishop G.E. Patterson. And just have a praise party. It says, end this with praise. We should go out of our prayer time full of joy, 
full of peace, full of rejoicing. Guess what? If you believe that what you prayed actually happened and it made a difference, you're going to come out of it with joy, with rejoicing. And now what it says? That there will be some rejoicing and peace attached to you if you're really believing. You're not going to come out of your prayer closet like, the burden's so heavy. Well, you should have left it in the prayer closet. You end with praise because you believe that your prayers mattered. You believe that God heard your prayers. You believe that God's answering your prayers. And you come out of your prayer time with joy and rejoicing. And sometimes for me, I'm just saying for me, and it'll probably help you, it's always good to put on some music and blast it as loud as you can with some good lyrics and rejoice. And end it with praise. Can we get the praise team to come back up? You guys get anything tonight? Let's turn over to James 5. And I want to share a couple things as we close. And we're going to actually pray as we end tonight about a couple things coming up here. James 5 in verse 16 I appreciate you guys coming tonight. I want to pray for two things. And we'll stand up here in a second and pray for them. One is for revival. And the other is for Dad's Word and Spirit Conference. And I want to use these verses. This is one of the verses we use tonight in James 5. But it's in a context of a story about Elijah. And I want to read this because it pertains to revival. How many know we need revival in our church? When I say revival, I mean, I want every church in this region to have revival. Do you realize how many people are in this area? If every church was filled, there would still be hundreds of thousands of lost people still. I want revival to be in every church in this region. I want revival. Our country needs revival. If you watch the news anytime in the past couple years, and our world needs revival. But a lot of times in the Bible, it refers to revival as rain. God's outpouring, the rain of the Holy Spirit. But notice what it says in James 5, 16. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now he's still talking about prayer. Notice what he says. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly. Now, let me talk about that for a second. It's about to say Elijah prayed, and his prayers were affected because it started to rain when it hadn't rained in years. But notice it just adds the part, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What's he saying there? Elijah wasn't a superhero. Elijah wasn't a Marvel character. Elijah wasn't some spiritual giant. Elijah was a person like you. And he prayed and God listened to him. Elijah prayed just like this verse said, the earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person avails much or makes tremendous power available. But it gives the example of Elijah was a man just like us 
but he prayed this way and God heard him. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on that land for three years and six months. And notice this word stood out to me. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain. The heaven gave rain. That's revival. Because that's what we need in this church and all the churches in this area. That's what we need in this country. That's what we need in this world is the heaven to give rain. And God wants to do that, but he's waiting on some people to ask, to pray, to seek, because his will's not being done until we ask it to happen. And when we do, just like Elijah, it says, when he prayed, and he was a man just like us, the heavens gave the rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, if you're reading in the same chapter of James 5, earlier in the chapter, it talks about the precious fruit of the earth. It's not talking about natural fruit. It's talking about people. That when Elijah prayed, there was rain, and then it produced fruit. But he's not just talking about natural stuff. He's talking about spiritual stuff. That when God's rain from heaven, which is the Holy Spirit's outpouring, happens because people have prayed, there's going to be fruit or a harvest of people that come into the kingdom of God. When people pray for revival, and people want revival, and people desire revival, God will send the rain. And I believe we're going to pray about that for a second tonight for our church, for this region, for our country, and for the world. But two quick passages, and we'll read this. Isaiah 44, 3, God says, For I will pour water on whom who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground, and I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. Look at Zechariah 10 and verse 1. It says, Ask the Lord for the rain in the time of the latter rain, and the Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Once again, God's saying, if you want to rain, you're going to have to ask for it. Not just natural rain, spiritual rain. And that's what revival is. So could we stand up a second together? Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. 